Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn State Health. Dustin Hawkinsmith, Johnny McGonigal. Here talking a little Penn State Auburn leading up to this big showdown down in Alabama. Uh, we're going to talk about that game a little bit, talk about some of the recruiting dynamics. we got a new commitment on board, and Johnny, I know you talked to Zion Tracy um, this week, so we'll talk uh, about him and what that means. And, you know, I wanted to look at Penn State Auburn and how they stack up when it came to the recruiting stars. Um, and it, it, the results kind of surprised me, so we'll touch on that. But first things first, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, on the game, Johnny. I know, um, you know, it, it, it is a, a game that, you know, with Penn State being a three-point favorite on the road, trying to wonder if that road environment is factoring into that point spread as much as it should. It's an easy game to be on the fence about. I know that you were. You went. You swung towards Auburn. I swung towards Penn State. I, I swing towards Penn State with a pretty fair degree of confidence, and that might be overconfidence. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on the game and some of those key factors. There are some really obvious ones when it comes to Auburn's ground game and if Penn State's front seven is up to that task. Yeah, Dustin, look, I said before the season, you know, I, you, we went through all the games and you know, I had Penn State pegged at nine and three and I just felt good about that record. And so I just, you know, went through and I'm like, all right, what are the games they're going to lose? Right. I don't think they'd lose to a Minnesota, you know, in the whiteout and Ohio State, Michigan. Those are kind of relatively easy ones to chalk up. And I'm looking for that third one. I'm like, you know, it's it's hard to win back to back non-conference power five you know, games against the same team, right? The, uh, like in a, in a home and home series, it's difficult to win both those games. Uh, and you know, Jordan Hare stadium is a difficult environment. And so I'm like, all right, preseason, I'm going to go with Auburn. This week I watched the Auburn San Jose state game. I, I was not impressed whatsoever with Auburn. You know, it really was the, you know, the, the passing game, you know, both quarterbacks threw a pick in the first half, you know, TJ Finley so far, one touchdown, three picks through two games against Mercer and San Jose state. I'm like, I'm leaning Penn State here. But then, you know, in that second half, Auburn started just running the ball. You know, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and that senior late in offensive line. And, you know, th- that was the reason why I picked Auburn before the season. And I'm just going to stick to my guns. And I don't feel great about it. You know, I would not be surprised if Penn State went out there one by seven or ten points by any means. But, you know, these linebackers at Penn State, the inexperienced guys, you know, Curtis Jacobs is really the stalwart there. But, you know, Tyler Elson, you know, didn't play a defensive rep last year against Auburn. You know, neither did Kobe King. And uh, Abdul Carter was still in high school. So these guys who now have to go on the road in a, in a hostile environment and go up against, you know, one of the best rushing attacks in, in the SEC. Granted, it's a one-dimensional offense because I don't think T.J. Finley is anything really a quarterback, you know, anything that would threaten you. Uh, but I, I see it as a, as a low-scoring game and, and one that maybe Auburn just kind of grinds out at the end. See, I could uh, I could make the comparison. Like there were a couple games last year, obviously Illinois being one where they just strapped it up and ran it right down Penn State's throat. Like Illinois was a little different uh, because they went with like whatever <laughs> eight offensive linemen or whatever, however however many Brett Bielema consistently threw out there. 
But I thought the season opener at Wisconsin was kind of the same deal as this game where, yes, if they if they commit to it and run, 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 they can have some success. But at some point in time, you are going to need your quarterback to make a few plays in a game. You can't hide TJ Finley for 60 full minutes. And, you know, weirdly, like what you described with San Jose State is kind of how you describe last year's Penn State Auburn game, too. It's like what took you so long to commit to that? I feel like they're not going to make the same mistake twice, but I do feel like, you know, Penn State knows that. And if they can just get Auburn a little off schedule sometimes, like if they can make them, you know, not allow the big run. Uh, and I know all this is easier said than done. Not allow the big run, make them go four or five yards at a time and just wait, you know, at some point in time, you should make a play behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe they go play action, throw in complete. Like at some point in time, you're going to get yourself a second and 10 or a third and eight or whatever. And then you have to capitalize on those opportunities. And so then I also think, you know, the way Wisconsin went is that, yes, they had success between the 20s. But when the field got tight in the red zone, they didn't have a lot of success. And that was something that Penn State's defense was uniquely equipped to do last year. We'll see. Like, I think they'll have to really buckle down in the red zone because Auburn's going to have success. You have to admit that. Just be the same reason that you had to admit that Purdue was going to have some success. But I do think I saw zero instincts whatsoever from, from those two quarterbacks. Like, the, the, the redshirt freshman is uh, super quick and dangerous. So him, him in the running game... But if you, I, I really don't think, especially with these defensive backs, you don't have to drop many guys into coverage. You go, you go man, and you dedicate to stop, stop, stopping the run. I think Penn State will have some success. It won't be easy, but I, th- I think they're going to win this game. And I also think uh, they're going to score some points. Is TJ Finley going to make a couple of Graham Mertzian mistakes? Uh, like, you know, Graham, Graham Mertz did with Wisconsin in the, in the opener last year, maybe. And look, I, I do think that Penn State gets its first interception of the season. It's kind of crazy that they've had you know, so many PBUs with you know the game that Joey Porter Jr. had against Purdue. Obviously, he had that he had that interception in his hands, Dustin, in, in, in that first half, and I'm sure that still gnaws at him a little bit. But I, you know, I do think Penn State secondary will pick off TJ Finley. It's just, it feels like you know it's a it's a gamely occurrence here uh, with the former LSU uh, quarterback, but. You know, I also think that Penn State's defense, we talked about that front seven and, and the running game with Auburn, and yeah, they can pop some runs. I think the biggest thing uh, for Penn State, aside from just tackling, right, wrapping up, putting the guy down, is getting into the backfield and causing havoc, and, and that's really in the running game, right? Dropping a guy for a four or five, you know, even three-yard loss. Get Auburn behind, you know, behind the six, behind schedule, off schedule, and at that point, make T.J. Finley throw, right? But my only concern, though, is that through two games here, Penn State eight tackles for loss, Second worst in the Big Ten. You know, part of that is that you know Purdue threw the ball sixty times, and a lot of their offense is predicated on getting the ball out quick. So you know, it's a little bit more difficult to get you know in the backfield and, and create that havoc. But Ohio, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just I felt like there could be more opportunities there for uh, for TFLs and for sacks, and they didn't they didn't do that. So I'm I'm looking to be proved wrong here. Basically, you know, this this front four, you know, Disa Isaac, PJ Mustafer. You know, Hakeem Beeman, uh, you know, is going to need to have a good game at D tackle. And then the linebackers, like, prove me wrong is, is essentially my pick here. Um, and so if they do, then I think they win. I, I think they could win comfortably if this front seven shows up and uh, if the linebackers prove, hey, hey, we're here at linebacker U, right? This is why we're here. And 
Uh, we talked to Curtis Jacobs earlier this week, and he said that this is the kind of game that you want to play. And if you're a linebacker at Penn State, he said, we didn't come here to, you know, to watch a seven on seven, which is basically what, you know, Purdue, uh, Penn State in the opener ended up being. Speaking of easier said than done, I mean, Auburn's going to Auburn's going to test Penn State's commitment to stopping the run. You know, to your point, making plays that get them off schedule, you can test Auburn's commitment to run. And I think Penn State's offense factors into that, too. If you, if you can break a big play or two and make this a, a 10-0 game or, or if you can play for with, with a lead, then, okay, let, let's see if they've got the resolve to stick to that patient approach if you're wrapping up and tackling and, and all that. So I think, you know, it, it could go either way. But I, I just feel like, and, and this is a good sort of segue into um, the recruiting numbers in this one. Penn State, I think, I, w- I would argue that Penn State is probably the, the less experienced team. Like, I haven't done a side-by-side, but when you talk about key players, there are a number of freshmen and redshirt freshmen who are in Penn State's rotations. So Auburn might have an edge in in, in that area. But um, Tyler Calvaruso from 24-7 Sports, and I'm glad he did this, went all through the recruiting numbers, whether they were four stars or five stars, three stars. And Penn State, you know, not that this is the end-all, be-all, but Penn State had a pretty glaring advantage when it came to overall roster talent and like obviously development and scheme and coaching and and all that factors in so it's not everything but for Penn State to have the higher rate of recruit at 17 out of 22 starting spots was pretty significant to me it was a much bigger discrepancy than I thought it would be especially when you factor in that Nick Singleton you know in that exercise wasn't considered Penn State's starting running back and Jair Brown, who was a, a JUCO kid who didn't have any offers coming out of high school, was the you know the less accomplished recruit there too. So it's like, man, I mean, I think Penn State, like for all that sort of talk about, oh, you got to go into Auburn, you got to beat those SEC athletes and stuff. I'm not. I, I don't think Auburn has an advantage in that area. No, I agree with you, and I think that you know, the, in terms of look, wide receivers, you know, tight ends, uh, you know, even on the back end in the secondary, you know, you look at those premier positions, cornerback. I think Penn State has the advantage there, but I just don't know, especially on the defensive side, you know, we talked about how important that front seven is. I don't know how often Joey Porter Jr. is going to be tested. Uh, like you said, TJ Finley is going to have to throw the ball eventually, right? But, you know, those guys in the back end, Jair Brown, you know, Kalen King, you know, Daquan Hart, like, are these guys going to be tested all that much? Now on the offensive end for Penn State, I think this is where they can build, like you said, maybe a 10 nothing lead or even, you know, even more. The yak that Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley and, and these guys have shown Keandre Lambert-Smith with that touchdown at Purdue where he bounced off a guy, you know, making up for the couple of drops earlier in the game. Uh, the yards after the catch, the athleticism, that's what, you know, obviously a part of that is development, but a part of that is just recruiting too, like getting those kind of athletes on your campus. And, you know, I asked James Franklin about that this week, how important uh, yak has been to the offense. And he acknowledged that you know, it really is. It's a part of it's a part of what these guys want to do. It's a part of what these guys need to do. And Sean Clifford acknowledged that as well after the Ohio win that it's nice to, hey, toss a, a little drag route to Parker Washington and watch him go 40 yards. And so I think that's where, you know, they can nickel and dime this defense. When I went back and I watched the Auburn San Jose State game, I mean, San Jose State, they were putting together, you know, really consistent, sustained drives down the field. And, you know, they, they faltered in the red zone and Auburn's red zone defense uh, stood up when it mattered most. But, they were able to get inside release on, you know, some slants, some drags, and, and really use that athleticism uh, to, to create space over the middle of the field. And I think that's where Penn State's receivers really thrive. And so, you know, look, when you look at the overall roster, I, I do think Penn State, you know, talent-wise in terms of the recruiting, you know, has a better roster. 
Uh, it's just a matter of dealing with the, you know, the actual semantics of the game, the nuances of the, of the game itself. And, and I think it's going to come down into the trenches, you know, and that's really where, you know, Olu Fashanu is going to have to deal with Derek Hall, uh, Colby Wooden, you know, for Auburn and Owen, you know, Papo, you know, coming in from linebacker blitzing and creating havoc. I think that's where this, this battle, this, this game is going to be won. First of all, you know, I think everybody's going to look at that right tackle position and they're going to try to pick on those guys. A bottom line, so Penn State, probably you're going to lend a little bit of assistance, whether that's the running backs or tight ends there. And I also think, um, you know, looking outside the one-on-one matchups, I think it's just, let's let's test the communication and the cohesion of this group with stunts and some delayed blitzes and stuff like that. Let's make them work and see and and try to pick up what, what we're doing. So I think that's going to be the challenge. On the other side, I mean, Auburn's offensive line, very veteran group, and uh, Penn State's front, not just the linebackers. Like, I think this this could be an Abdul Carter game. Do you, are you going to see more of Abdul Carter, maybe less of Jonathan Sutherland because of the the dynamic with the, with the run game? And then it, it really is just kind of time to for the rubber to meet the road when it comes to production from the, those defensive ends and from those defensive tackles. Having Kaziah Izzard back in this game would be a big boost for Penn State, but we don't know what that's going to be like. The the road environment too, you know that that's a crazy place to play. Um, I'm not that concerned about the orange out per se, but um, but the those fans and and I, I really feel like I've said this before. I really feel like those fans, you know, after seeing Auburn go into the whiteout, are going to have some pride about how they can affect a game. Like, I think the fact that this is the back end of a home and home, they're going to want to show, like, this is what SEC football is all about. I can't wait. I can't wait to be down. I know, I know you'll be down there as well. You know, the SEC vibe, you know, I was able to get down to Tennessee last year, and I've, I've been to Bryant-Denny Stadium in Alabama. I'm interested to see what the atmosphere is like because it's 85,000, so it's not quite 110, you know, like Beaver Stadium has. But, yeah, you know, Derek Hall, Auburn uh, defensive end earlier in the week was saying that he thinks that the orange out is going to be better than the white out. And of course, he's, you know, he's going to say that he's an Auburn player. But regardless of what color these fans are wearing, uh, it's going to be a tough environment. It's going to be a tough environment for a true freshman like Abdul Carter to step in and play a lot of reps because we know that he's going to. That he's been talked up, you know, a, a lot this week by his you know teammates and coaches. Uh, and we know that, you know, even it's going to be difficult for a guy like Sean Clifford. Now, are we going to see Drew Aller in this game? I think we are. Uh, you know, at some capacity and at some point in the game, I mean, you don't have a guy like that uh, waiting in the wings and you don't play him. I think I think they're going to try to get him reps. I mean, every game. I mean, I think that'd be the smart thing to do. And, you know, but if Clifford's playing well and Clifford's you know doing well, then I guess maybe maybe there won't be the impetus to get to, to get him in because this is a huge game uh, for Penn State. And you just look even beyond what this game is. Right. You know, you get to three and oh, that'd be great. Beyond this, Central Michigan and then Northwestern at home and then the bye week. If you're able to get to five and zero going to the bye week and then come out of it with you know Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State, the toughest part of your schedule, I mean, I think you'd be in a really good, really good spot, really good shape. And so I'm interested to see how they deal with the uh, deal with the pressure, deal with the you know the environment, and deal with the stakes really because this is a it's a turning point game in the season already for Penn State. First, I would say if if you see Drew Aller in this game at all. I think it is going to say a whole lot about the degree of trust that the coaching staff has in him because he's not a running quarterback who you can situationally put in there for, you know, to show a different look. He's the same, you know, at his core, he's going to be trying to play the quarterback position the same way Sean Clifford is. But if you see him on the road against an SEC team, 
that would be a, a big change from where James Franklin has been in the past. We've already seen, I think, a big change from where James Franklin has been in the past when it comes to playing young guys in not only in games where where it's not uh, a foregone conclusion like Purdue, but playing them early in those games too. So I think um, you know Drew Aller, if he if you, if you see him in this game, I think it would say quite a bit. I don't know. I mean, is there a, is there a huge drop off other than experience from Sean Clifford to Drew Aller? I know it's early in his career, but it's like I don't think fans watching this game would if Drew Aller came running in would would be like going like, oh no. I think it'd be the opposite, Dustin. I mean, you know, we, we we've heard the we won Aller you know chance last week in the Ohio game. Uh, I mean, look the, when he came in and threw that thirty two yard touchdown to Amari Evans, that thing was a flick of the wrist. I mean, that that was effortless. Uh, and and no, you know, not discrediting Sean Clifford or really any other quarterback, but a lot of college quarterbacks, you have to, you know, you have to step in to make that throw. You have to really put some oomph on it. And you know, Aller looked like it was just nothing. Uh, he had the little sidearm, like a little Justin Herbert, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes action going on. And then, you know, again, I go back to the, that Purdue game, and you know, he's thrusted in there. He wasn't. He might not have expected to go in. I mean, that was a that was an injury, you know, unavailability situation with Sean Clifford. And, you know, Aller comes in and, you know, throws, you know, a dime to Tyler Warren that he unfortunately drops. He steps up in the pocket, avoids pressure on the right and finds his guy along the right sideline for a first down. Like he just looked natural out there. He looks, it looks it really does look effortless with him. And so I think if he enters this game in whatever capacity that is, whether that's Clifford, it gets hurt and he has to come in or if it's a plan to get him in maybe for a series or two just to get that experience because i think again we're just talking about experience you're building his repertoire building his resume uh and and that, that backlog that catalog of plays that he has in the back of his mind i mean to have a driver two in an sec stadium in an environment like jordan Hare stadium i think would go a long way yeah and as the question is how committed are you to getting that experience now uh, especially you know when it, i don't think it really comes at at, at uh the expense of anything else because he gives you he's shown that he gives you a good shot to, to score points this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary everyone's journey is different and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant have questions google Cureleaf pa or stop by one of our 18 locations across the commonwealth uh, I wanted to circle back around. You talk about yards after catch, and you tackled this question in your mailbag when it comes to offensive identity. And I think it's a fascinating question with Penn State because outside of, you know, like let's say the 2016 team, it feels like the identity has been when all else fails, the quarterback runs. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't know how else to classify the offense, but I do think you're starting to see with the tempo stuff, which you touched on in the mailbag, and with the yards after catch, like that is a philosophical thing that like Purdue's offense is predicated upon that. You can build your offense around getting guys a little bit of space and letting them go to work. Recruit guys who can make plays in that situation. And then my other question is, you know, defensive identity, I think, is a fascinating thing that's still taking shape under Manny Diaz. But I feel like, you know, pressure, blitzing, you know, hitting the quarterback, uh, all that stuff can be positive things when it comes to recruiting guys to play on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think offensively, yeah, I was asked in my mailbag, basically, do you see an offensive identity uh, at this point forming? And, you know, while I, I don't see anything kind of overarching, there are two like more you know minor, I shouldn't even say minor because they are so important to this offense is, you know, these aspects um, that you see coming through already two games in is the yards after the catch and 
I had mentioned Parker Washington. He had that 35 yarder against Ohio that you know, he just barely, you know, you know, he stepped out just a little bit. He was laughing about it after the game that, you know, saying he needs to stay in. But yeah, you, know, you saw Parker Washington you know, do it there. He saw Mitchell Tinsley do it on that final drive, you know, at Purdue catching a little, uh, a little hitch route, a little curl and taking it, what, 27, 28 yards. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith mentioned that touchdown earlier. So this is, a, this is a thing for this offense where, first of all, make it easy on Sean Clifford. Right. Like he again, for, for everything that he is, you know, in terms of experience, in terms of leadership, in terms of what he brings, in terms of a sense of calm to your offense. He's not the he's not the most, you know, athlete, you know, in terms of just gifted guy in terms of quarterback. Right. Like in terms of the tools that he has, the arm strength and everything, make it easy on him. Right. Like let him throw a six yard out or a six yard crosser and have these guys take it. Right. And, and they really do have the ability to take it the distance. You know, almost every time they catch it, depending on where they are on the field. Uh, and and you see that building, too, with the guys behind those top three receivers. Harrison Wallace getting in and having four catches. Amari Evans, we talked about. Uh, Caden Saunders getting involved. And so Jaden Dotton even starting and you know getting his first career catch against Ohio. They had the ability, they had the flexibility to get those young guys in in that game. Uh, but at the same time, they had that trust. And uh, I think that just pays off with recruiting. And then we talk about the defensive side as well. I mean, you know, what Manny Diaz wants to do, you know, through two games at least is be aggressive and play that man, you know, man to man whenever you're facing a team that is going to throw the ball 60 times. You know, if you have the athletes, if you have the confidence in your corners, you know, make the other guy beat you and then trust that, you know, that front four, that front five, whatever you're sending uh, to get home. And I don't think they've quite, you know, gotten home yet through two games. But I think, you know, as those guys develop, as Adisa Isaac gets back to 100 percent, as these younger guys start to you really, you know, take hold and, and get into their own. I think, I think that'll, you know, really develop even more. You'll be able to produce more turnovers, and then, you know, turnovers that, that looks that looks good for recruits, right? If defensive players want to come into your program and make, you know cause some havoc, I think that'd be a good thing. Uh, two quick thoughts for me, then we'll move on to uh, Zion Tracy. But one is, uh, I think you mentioned the depth at, at, at wide receiver. I think that can be part of the identity here too, when it comes to yards after catch and having a bunch of guys involved. If you've got a quarterback who's got command of the offense, who can make the right read, who can make the right progressions, you know, you put four or five guys out there and you trust all of them, that ball can literally go anywhere. So I think what we saw last week against Ohio, it's a little bit exaggerated, but I also think there's something fundamental there. 17 guys getting a catch in that game. I think Penn State would love to demonstrate that the ball could go at anywhere at any point. You know, you want to try to make the defense defend the entire field horizontally and vertically putting a bunch of guys that you trust out there and putting film out there that you're going to um, you know, you're gonna uh, throw the ball anywhere, wherever guys open. That's a, that's a good thing. And then I think defensively, this will be an interesting week because I think one thing that Penn state has played so far is two poised quarterbacks, you know, Curtis Rourke, I was surprised about how bad his stat line was at the end because I thought he he I thought he fought his ass off in that game. Like he did everything he possibly could. Ball was coming out quick. Those guys were smart. They weren't really responding to the pressure so much. I think Penn State's going to see some quarterbacks that aren't all that poised, that aren't going to respond to pressure as much and maybe create some opportunities. And I think Auburn's quarterbacks are that. It's just how many times are you really going to be able to pin your ears back and get after them? Zion Tracy, what'd you, what'd you make of, uh, I know you just talked to him, but Interesting in the fact that he reclassified into 2023. He was committed to Temple. You know, he's he's the in terms of the 24/7 Sports Composite rankings, he's now the lowest rated member of the class. But um, surely Penn State sees something in him as as a cornerback that he's got some sleeper appeal. 
Yeah, Dustin, it was funny. I was actually asked my mailbag this week, was I surprised uh, by Zion Tracy's commitment? And, you know, look, I was a little surprised at the timing when I was walking to my car, you know, from Beaver Stadium after the Ohio game. It's like, all right, I just, you know, worked out all these all these different stories, pumped out all this stuff. And now I'm, I'm typing away you know, a story in my car before I drive back to, to Pittsburgh. So, but I'm not surprised by his actual commitment, right? I mean, Penn State was the big school that he wanted to get in terms of an offer. And he was committed to Temple. Uh, Temple staff got fired. Uh, and so he ended up reclassifying as a 2023 prospect. And doing a, he's doing a post-grad year. Uh, really, you know, he's, he's there for the season. And he's going to enroll early at Penn State at St. Thomas More, uh, which is a prep school in Connecticut. And I was able to talk to Zion this week, as well as uh, St. Thomas's head coach, uh, Ernest Anderson. And, you know, Anderson was telling me that you know, he, he really thinks that this year, this season is going to be big for Tracy because you know, Tracy was playing both sides of the ball, you know, at his previous high school. And, you know, he was actually more of their offensive threat. And so he was playing defense, you know, really out of like, you know, bait, you know whatever, you know, he's necessity, I guess, because he wanted to play both. But, you know, he was really their offensive focus, whereas at St. Thomas More. He's going to be developing strictly, you know, as a corner. And, uh, you know, they, they like his fluidity. They like his size. They said he's excellent in man coverage, but he's got the speed to make up ground, you know, covering the zone. And so uh, they like his patience. They like his makeup. And uh, look, he, he ended up earning an offer after, you know, going uh, to, a, to a camp in July uh, and really impressing uh, the Penn State staff. And uh, he seems like a good kid and, and, a, and a good addition to this class. You, know, you look at his offer sheet and you're not going to be blown away. He doesn't have the Texas A&Ms and the, you know, the Auburns and the Floridas and the Ohio States on his uh, on his resume, per se. But uh, he's he's a kind of an under the radar guy that I think will come in with experience, you know, having you know five high school seasons and, uh, and and a guy that can really you know contribute maybe right away. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. You'll get a mature freshman on campus and you'll get that mature freshman on campus in January. I'm always fascinated by the why when you look at guys that Penn State offered that no no other you know big-time schools did. And Zion Tracy has a pretty clear why. The second lowest-rated player in the class, Jackson Smolik, the quarterback uh, prospect, he had a good why. He, I, he was injured as a junior and he's, he's a little bit small. He was committed to Tulane, but I think Penn State likes what they're getting here. And Anytime they see a guy in person and that player tests well, they don't really care. Like, I think they, Keaton Ellis is like the poster child for that for me. Like, you know, nobody else is really on Keaton Ellis. He's in state college. Nobody's coming into Penn State's literal backyard to recruit like an unknown kid. Like, but then he, he blows up. Maybe there's something here for Zion Tracy, too, as he narrows his scope to the defensive side of the ball. You know, in terms of just the, the off-field stuff with Zion Tracy, uh, the, in terms of the character that he brings to, to the class as well, I think that's a that's a it's a plus. It's a positive. Again, talking to his coach, he said, "quote unquote," that Zion went and earned what they gave him. It wasn't anything other than that. We're happy for him because he's a humble kid, doesn't like to show off, hard worker, blue collar, selfish, great teammate, great son, total package. That's kind of what you want to hear, right? Especially if you're you know if if you're a fan and you're listening to this and, and you're saying, "All right, this three star kid who you know his other offers were what Rutgers and." Syracuse and Temple, like, what are we doing here? I think that's the kind of kind of kid you want in your class and in your program. And so uh, it's a good addition from a, you know, a, a ability standpoint, from a skill standpoint, but also from a, a personal uh, standpoint. I'll have a story out, uh, you, depending on when you guys are listening to this, it may already be out. You might have already read it, but a uh, story coming out, um, you know, shortly here, I believe, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. 
All right. PennLive.com slash Penn State football for that and everything else we do. We're going to have a, a ton of stuff coming between now and the start of the Auburn game and then after that Auburn game, one way or the other, big game down in Alabama. And if Penn State can start 3-0, and you can answer a lot of questions. A lot of remaining questions about this team are, can be answered for better or worse this weekend. That's Johnny McGonagall and Dustin Hawkinsmith. This has been the Blue White Breakdown. You can check out the Blue White Breakdown. We do daily podcasts from Penn Live everywhere podcasts can be found. And once again, PennLive.com slash Penn State Football for everything else. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Live.